and welcome to Little Things with Amber L.B. Swenson. Today's episode is titled Long-Term Plans. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. I have been writing and teaching Bible studies for the past 15 years. I've worked with women, youth, Sunday school. I've been blogging for Time of Grace since 2017. I've written two books for them. Really what you need to know is that I love the Lord and I love the Word of God. And I find that the deeper I go into the Word of God, the more astounded I am that He loves us and that He notices us and that He cares so deeply about our lives. And my role is really to get people into the Word and to show them how awesome it is and to really get them to a place that they want to know and love God more. That's kind of my mission in life in a nutshell. I'm going to tell you where I got this um, episode title and thought the idea for this episode from. In the fall of 2019, early November um, brought snow to both Wisconsin and Minnesota. And I saw a pretty huge spike in people heading to Florida. So um, I work for a woman who actually lived and grew up in Florida, and she has a lot of friends in Florida. And I went to work one day in early November, and I said, hey, do you have your tickets to Florida yet? Because apparently everybody is going to Florida, you know, now that the snow has arrived here. And she said, it's funny that you say that, because her friends in Florida had been telling her that they just saw this influx of cars constantly coming from all the northern states. (laughs) And she said, you want to know the funny part of that? Is that her cousin was getting ready to retire and he couldn't wait to get to the mountains because he wanted to be somewhere cooler after living in Florida for so many years. And it really made me start to think about how we can so easily be fooled into instant gratification and to just... Um, experiencing the here and now, and we can lose sight of the long-range plans and the long-term goals. So we're going to talk about that today on Little Things. Let's get started. When my kids were little, I used to um, not buy them gifts for their birthdays and Christmas. In fact, I didn't start buying them gifts until they were teenagers, I think. So instead of buying presents for my kids when they were little, I would stick $100 into their college fund. And at the time, um, I didn't see a big difference. I don't know how much they noticed it. They didn't get the latest gadgets and they didn't get the coolest clothes, you know, the latest pair of pants or shiny dress or whatever was the big to-do while they were growing up. Instead, I, you know, I put the amount of money that I would have spent on them in their college fund because I figured that if their grandparents gave them presents, um, that was more than enough. And I noticed pretty early on that anything more than what they would receive from their grandparents and maybe when they got into school, they used to exchange gifts. And um, I noticed that if I bought them presents in addition to what their grandparents and their friends bought them, things started just getting lost in the shuffle. (laughs) They didn't really seem to even care about the gifts so much. Or, you know, I'd see that new game that I thought that they would really love or that puzzle or whatever it was. I'd see it just kind of laying around and they didn't really care about it too much. And so I had decided pretty early on that I wasn't going to spend our money on that. Well, this is the deal. My 
19-year-old daughter is in her second year of college right now. And we just had the discussion lately that she realized what a blessing it was that we had put the money away from her for her because now she's having her classes paid for and um, she isn't having to borrow money. So for us to have, you know, (laughs) delayed the gratification Um, Again, like I said, my kids were never, you know, hip enough to have the latest, coolest things. In fact, we got the hand-me-downs from the people at at school. So my kids would wear the really cool sweatshirt two years after it was cool. And it was still super cool to them. I still remember the first time my daughter got an Under Armour sweatshirt. You know, it was already had been through one or two kids of a different family. but My daughter was thrilled to have it. So, you know, my kids had a little bit of delayed gratification initially, but they're finally at a point that they're starting to realize why we did what we did, that we did not have an infinite supply of money. And so we determined that they had enough. They had enough clothes. They had enough games. They had enough toys, and they didn't need more in that it would be more valuable for them to have that money in a college fund and um, to be able to spend it on their education. Um, You know, if you look at the story of Abraham and Lot in the book of Genesis, you kind of see through Lot the danger of following that whole short-term, what looks good, I want to do, what will bring me joy and pleasure right now. So Abraham and Lot had both left Abraham's ancestors and they had gone to the land of Canaan where God promised Abraham eventually his ancestors would have the entire land. It would be the promised land for the people of Israel. And Abram and Lot had gained a lot of flocks and herds and servants and they finally got to a point that the land could not support both of them. So Abraham said to Lot, you know, you choose where you want to be and wherever you go, I'll move away from you. And Lot looked out over the land and he saw that the land of Sodom and Gomorrah was very lush and verdant and it was very pleasing to the eye. So that's where he went. Now, Lot didn't A, pray and say, God, where would it be good for me to go? He didn't B, say to his wife, you know, where would the best place for us to raise our kids be? Um, He didn't even look and say, you know, where could I really walk well with the Lord? None of that. Okay, none of that. Now, before I throw any stones, let me tell you this. My family is is one of the families that goes to Florida every November. So we have a woman in our life who has allowed us to stay at her home in November for a week and drive her vehicle. And so we have had family vacations there. And I am as guilty as anyone. Man, when I get down to Florida, I can look for homes down there. And I am ready to pack up and move because I do not want to go back to winter. So I get it. I get what Lot did. Lot saw the palm trees and he said, that's what I want. That's where I want to live. And I could 100% be swept up in that same mentality. When I say I want to be in Florida for the winter, I'm not saying, where can I do my best work for God? I'm not saying, would it be good for my family to be here? Would we be walking closer to the Lord? I am saying, I want palm trees and beaches And I want to live the life down here. And I'm not so sure that I would be getting much done for God if I was sitting on the beach every day. So I'm not throwing any stones at Lot. But 
this is the deal. God put lots of count in the Bible for us to learn from, right? And it isn't until we read the book of 2 Peter that we realize just how tortured and tormented Lot was. Listen to this. 2 Peter 2, I'm going to start at verse 4 and I'm going to read to verse 10. This is what it says. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on, on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless. For that righteous man, living among them day after day, was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. This is especially true of those who followed the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. So this is the deal. Lot followed his eyes. And because of that, day after day, he was up against the ungodliness of the place where he lived. And we see this when Sodom and Gomorrah were about to be destroyed and the angels had come to him and they said, listen, get your people and get out of here because we are going to bring destruction. And Lot went to his daughter's fiancés and said, listen, guys, we need to get out of here. This place is going to be destroyed. They laughed in his face. I mean, that would not be fun. Here he's trying to raise godly children, and he's trying to get his um, daughter's future husbands out of that place, and they, and they, they don't want anything to do with that. They don't want to leave this lush, verdant, beautiful place. Why would they? And go where? To the mountains? To go to somewhere not cool, not fun to be at. I mean, it's like moving from Florida to Minnesota. Who wants to do that, right? Um, so anyway, I, I mean, I think that's what happens so often when we get sucked into following our eyes into things that are not good for us spiritually. So again, the short-term gratification, going out and having a one-night stand, um, gratification for the for the time, for that one night, but then what about the morning? And what about the effects of, you know, just feeling worthless and having this unfulfilled desire in a relationship that's not working and all that nonsense. So, I mean, I think it's really important that all of us try to encourage one another. Again, (laughs) you know, we're all in this. Um, I found a quote from Charles C. Noble that said, you must have long-term goals to keep you from being frustrated by short-term failures. And listen, Jesus didn't have short-term failures, but when I look at his life, I see he had a lot of short-term obstacles. If you were to examine his life, he was under constant... um, the constant eyes of the Jewish leaders who opposed him, for one thing. He uh, 
people, even his disciples, didn't really get what he was doing. (laughs) Jesus was here to live a perfect life and to reveal the kingdom of heaven to people, to make them understand that what the Jewish leaders were were, um, telling them was the right thing, like that you can get to heaven by following these rules perfectly. Jesus was trying to show them that's not the thing at all. Like, I am the way. You have to believe in me. And then, you know, he had to deal with the fact that even his disciples really wanted a political and earthly kingdom here. And so Jesus was constantly dealing with the fact that he was misunderstood, that people left him, that people didn't listen to him, the people who he healed, who he asked to keep quiet, that he had healed them and they went off and they told everybody about it and it it affected his life. I mean, he had all these short-term obstacles, but he did not let that weigh him down. And he didn't let that keep him from the long-term goal. He just kept going on. He knew what his function was on earth. He knew what he was supposed to be doing, and he kept doing it despite that opposition. And that's what we need to remember, too. And then the second quote is from Charles Martin, and it says, Never let a short-term desire get in the way of a long-term goal. Oh, man, let me tell you, short-term desires, there's a million of them. I have spent the majority of my adult life doing things that bring absolutely no worldly fame, fortune, um, anything. So I have spent years working, running a Sunday school, teaching Sunday school, teaching youth group, leading youth group, teaching fifth and sixth graders Bible history classes, teaching women's Bible studies, writing and directing Christmas plays and and other plays based on books of the Bible. I don't get paid for this. A lot of times people aren't coming up behind me, you know, shaking my hand, patting me on the back, way to go. You know, every week when you get ready for Sunday school, you are putting in hours that people don't see. And for the most part, they don't thank you for doing it. And yet you do it. You know, there's a lot of times when I teach on Wednesday nights, listen, it's not necessarily convenient. I would just as soon snuggle up with a um, hot chocolate and a blanket and binge on Netflix. I, you know, and, and so you're giving up the short-term desires because there's something more that you're, that you know that you are striving for. And for me, that has been to teach people about God's ways and to really put that in their heart and encourage them to continue to walk with God. And the fact is, until I get to heaven and until all these people who I have taught get to heaven, I really won't have a payoff. My payoff will be as I see the children that I taught standing in heaven with me. That's the payoff. But, you know, I I don't see that down here. And that doesn't matter. Except on those occasions when I start to think things like, if I had worked full time during all these years, I could have earned $60,000, let's just say. And I could have lived a totally different life. I could have taken my family on lavish vacations. I could be driving a new car. I could have different furniture than I have. I mean, our life could have been totally and completely different. But that's the short term. And you know, (laughs) that's the whole, what Jesus was saying. You know, it's not worth it to gain the whole world and lose your soul. And 
being a servant in God's kingdom, man, I know that on this side of heaven, the payoff isn't always great, but God is great. And I know that it's a worthy cause. And I know that just as Jesus continued to strive and to do what he did to teach people about the kingdom of heaven and to um, complete the mission he was given, that's my goal. It's to keep doing what I'm doing as long as the Lord gives me strength, as long as he gives me opportunities, and not worry about the worldly stuff. So I'll tell you what. You help me to focus on that, and you keep encouraging me, and I'll keep encouraging you, because I get it. The palm trees beckon all the time. I just saw a, um, a t-shirt on, on uh, Facebook that said salty, you know, is based on Matthew 5, you know, you are the salt of the earth. And all I could think about is the beach because, you know, down in Florida, I bought a t-shirt last year when I was there that said, stay salty because I love the beach and I love the salt water in the Gulf of Mexico. And (laughs) I didn't buy that t-shirt on Facebook, A, because I'm not buying any more clothes, but B, because I would be wearing it thinking of the beach totally not (laughs) about being the salt of the world. So it would be completely useless. It would be wasted on me. But anyway, let's encourage one another to keep our hearts and our minds and our goals heavenward, always going heavenward, and keep that um, as the thing that we're striving for, not all the earthly joys and pleasures and instant gratifications. And I know that at times the days get long and, um, you know, they're, they're fairly thankless a lot of times. But, you know, when I feel that, I remember my brothers and sisters throughout the world who are suffering so much more than I have. I don't know that I won't at some point in my life, but up to this point, I mean, nobody is persecuting me. I'm allowed to teach and do these things, um, you know, without any opposition, really. And so I have it pretty good. And I have the great cloud of witnesses, the whole Old Testament and the New Testament of all the believers who went before me, paved the way and did great things for the sake of the gospel, not for the sake of earthly gain. And so that's, that's where I'm at and that's where I need to stay is keeping them alongside me, cheering me on and focusing on the pleasures that are to come in heaven because that's where the real prize is. This is little things because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. Thank you for being here with me today. Please remember to like and share this message and subscribe to this podcast. And as always, please do stop right now and say a prayer for time of grace as we continue on this ministry please ask God to bless our efforts. And if you have a chance and you're able, please send in a financial contribution so that we can share this message and many others like it with many more people. 